Hi, everyone, and uh, welcome to the seventh episode of Broken English Podcast. Uh, my name is Mila Panic, and I'm still in New York, unfortunately. And uh, today uh, I invited a friend of a friend to be a guest on the podcast, and I hope we become friends also. Um, his name is Sasha Srebul, and why for me it was interesting to speak with him is because uh, among other things, he is also doing stand-up comedy here in New York. So um, I will invite Sasha to introduce himself shortly, and then we can continue uh, into different topics. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, happy, to, uh, happy to have this conversation. Uh, so yeah, my name is Sasha Serbo. I do stand-up comedy in New York. I have uh, been living in New York consistently since 2000, well, since 98, 98. Uh, before that, I lived in Serbia for 10 years, so I have a bit of a strange story. I, uh, I was born in New York. I lived here until I was 10, lived in Serbia until I was 19, 20, and then I moved back here. And during both periods, I used to travel back and forth to Serbia. You know, when I was living here, I lived, I would spend my summers there. When I was mm. living there, I spent my summers here and so forth. So I'm sort of a hybrid. But like, how, how come you were born here? Like, your parents migrated here or like yeah. my parents moved here or both they, they both moved here independently they met here okay and um they're both from serbia uh, my father was from uh delhi blato which is in Vojvodina, delhi if you know mm -hmm. like that area so he's from there my mother's from kragujevac so they met here um had me and my sister and then they divorced and i went to serbia to live for about yeah I went to school there until I was 19. I spent like a, a year in college there and then I moved back here. But while I was living there, I used to spend my summers here. And then when I was a kid, while I was living here, I used to spend my summers there. And my mother worked for, you know, yacht. Mm. Uh, and so I was flying back and forth all the time. Okay, so you are actually bilingual. So both of these languages is sort of your mother, like, mother yeah, tongue. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I had a different like because I did not have this have this yeah. information before. So I was thinking, uh, yeah, it was something similar because for me, learning English was mostly through television. But uh, yeah, so what for me was the most interesting. I'm just gonna mm -hmm. move this from the table. Since when do you do stand up comedy? Um, 2011. So September 2011 is the first time I performed. Okay, but how how come you come to this? Because I'm now a beginner, uh, and uh, well, the way you know I kind of just like jump into this and still discovering, still thinking like if I have courage to do that. But how was so? I always I always liked stand up comedy. I actually, you know, when my when I when my mother found out I was doing, she said, you know, you used to. That's what you used to want to do when you were a kid. And she's like, you know, stand-up comedy back when you were a kid, like in the 80s, when you were a kid, or, you know, early 90s. It was just dudes in a smoke-filled room. It wasn't like a career choice. Mm. And then I think she realized Seinfeld made all that money. And then she's like, <laughs> oh, maybe, you know. But anyway, so I, I kind of, I always liked it. I always liked it. I just never thought it was something that you could do. I, I, I think stand-up comedy falls into the aspect of i think especially amongst immigrant communities i think it falls into the aspect of like art yeah you know it's like you have to be born you know the way they tell mm. 
us, any any country that is a sort of where material culture, that's a poor country, let's say, mm. you know, they need you to satisfy first many of those other parts of Maslow's pyramid, right? Mm. Art is like, if you reach that, point, yeah. that's for your kids or your grandkids. Yeah. So stand-up comedy is a type of art. So it was never really considered serious in my family. And I didn't consider it serious. I thought, well, you just have to be born like that. Somebody has to see you on the street and go, you, you have to be stand-up. I didn't realize it was a skill that you could learn. Yeah. So until I sort of went into a different career and sort of established myself, became comfortable, it was a typical In that sense, it was an immigrant story because I had to kind of find my bearing. Mm. I couldn't do it right out of college. Yeah. I couldn't quit college to do stand-up or something. Mm. That was impossible. You know, it was just in my mm. world of upbringing. You can, yeah. You had to sort of first learn how to make money. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, I definitely agree about what you said when it comes to the art and as more i'm also like obsessed with it like in like some years and just as well like you i was just like oh yeah but being funny in a bar with friends after a couple of drinks being loud it's completely something different and then i was like well to structure and write jokes it's it's definitely a skill you need to do but what you said about this like type of art that it's like on the top of the pyramid for me the idea of like i i really believe that you know stand-up comedy might be the truthest art form we have maybe nowadays no like maybe for you sound like whatever but mm -hmm. in a sense of being like what it means for me to speak from the uh how do you say first person yeah from the first person address the public does do not have any mediator in between like you know curator or whatever from that side yeah and uh provoke opinions or like not in a bad sense but like even if it is, you would provoke sort of reaction, whether it is a laugh or, or like a slap or whatever. Yeah. And but this is something that I like to watch or or show people because it would work in a many levels to the, to all sorts of um, how I say layers of community or society that not necessarily consume art and culture by going to museums or galleries. Humor. For example, in Bosnia, there is not such a big comedy scene or stand-up comedy like Western Balkans, maybe we can say, but it is present in every day of life of people because they were healing through this, yeah. making jokes. Like one of the best jokes, again, they were the most brutal. Like, I'm, you know, yeah. about Srebrenica or about yeah. war, about like, they're the brutal, but like, I would say very well structured, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... so Two things. One, I'm glad uh, I'm having this conversation with you because art, seeing it as an, I, I, I also feel that it's the most, it's the most maligned art. Look, you have no idea how many, you know, modern dance shows I've been through where you're just watching it and you're like, and then everybody claps at the end and you like saw an hour of something and yeah. it's pointless. You know, like it's not, <laughs> it's all right, feigning hints of beauty. Maybe you got like two minutes out of it that was mm. impressive. And and people stand up and clap, or you go to a contemporary art exhibit, and it's really crap, or it's just I've seen all this. It's mm. not, and you're just okay. You give them the twelve dollars or whatever. You know, a stand up show, if that guy doesn't make you laugh every minute, it's a complete failure, and he feels like shit, and everybody tells him that, and or her, whatever. So it's it's on one level, it's the most, it's very difficult to do. On the other level, it's the most looked down on. Mm. Stand up comedy isn't even like acting. 
even yeah. though you are performing your own it, it's not like writing and no. i think it partially it's because there aren't people the people who end up doing it really end up doing it because they have to i was just thinking yeah. so even in the art world you have oh my my grandfather my father was an artist so now i'm you yeah. know you have like a zanat which they, yeah i don't even know how to say craft that. yeah a i craft. mean like the yeah, yeah. pass from the and you can pass it to kids. Yeah. normally have stuff like stand-up yeah. comedians their kids it's it's a much more random talent or something that's, yeah. that's distributed amongst the population. You can teach it, mm. but then you have to have something in you that makes you want to, because you're just going to suck when you do it. You need to, like, for what I, till now at least, the what stand-up gave me, you see what through the bullshit, you know, first thing. But uh, I wanted to, like, add to what you were saying. Oh, my God, my thoughts are just going now in so many different directions uh i i think i lost the note yeah can you want me to fill you in about yeah what you remember i just when you said bosnian humor I, I, so when i moved to serbia or yugoslavia at that point i was the only thing i really found funny because i was coming here as, as a 10 year old mm -hmm. i was in this sort of context and i would listen to serbian jokes get people to or watch what what was humorous on their uh you know watch what was humorous on tv and i'd be like oh, i don't really get the jokes i don't get the context i don't get however what, the first thing that i was like it turned my brain on like a pinball machine that yeah ah uh, yeah 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 that was genius it's genius to this still day. it is like it's still it's uh it's, something that i don't think I, it I don't can know, be i don't talking. know how it's magical that it even is i mean yeah it's really amazing. i'm so proud even just to mentioning it like i, I i'm filled with some kind oh, yeah, of proud that it's from there and it is like so yeah but i remember what i wanted to say about you saying like just people doing it it's not like a skill that could be passed but um it's somehow like you want to say something and people know me who are in my close circle that i'm always not full of bullshit i'm full of opinions and that I just now figure out that this could be a way to express my opinions that are not considered to be like a bullshit, but when you, for example, or like immediate reactions to the current news or a current like whatever mm -hmm. the fuck is happening around. And uh, if I get angry, if I get pissed and uh, I would make a sarcastic comment about it, but it's, that should not be the end. So like to take this feeling or that opinion I have and then to put it on the table, strip it down to the essential, which could be in this sense, of course, the humor or twist it to make it funny so that people get like, not this like, ha-ha, but like, aha. Mm. Yeah, so I really enjoyed this, like, uh, how this can, I, I don't know, like um, some strategies of like constructing the joke or construct constructing the story about something. And I really found this would be a great medium for me to express opinions that cannot be translated always like in a painting, in a video, in a photography or whatever other medium mm -hmm. seen in a contemporary scene. And I'm still a lot in the circles of contemporary art because I'm, I'm still doing this as a, like my job and like it's part of profession, but I don't understand as you were saying before we started to record, like there is not so much of like clashing or inter overlapping between contemporary art as such and like stand-up comedy and yes you were saying it's not an acting 
it's not only performing the piece. And when I was doing academy in Bosnia and, you know, you, they teach you about performance art, you know, and I never felt comfortable doing performance art because it never felt I'm doing what I really feel. It's kind of always acting. But with the stand-up comedy, of course, you need to structure the joke. You need to like which word works better in which position and so on. But still, it's my true feeling and my opinion yeah, that I'm saying. There's a threat associated with, with stand-up comedy. There's a danger associated with because you really are. I mean, if you any art, any other art you do, whether it's photography, whether it's uh, you know performance art, anything, you could always claim that you're shooting above that. You you could always well, it's not my time. Mm. It's not my, I'm not understood, or this isn't the right audience. Yeah, yeah you, can hide. you really can't. Like it's it's you, and it's your writing. You saying specifically what you wanted to say, and if they don't like it, it's you. It's you're really out there. You're really. Yeah. It's like somebody compared it to stripping. Yeah. Like it's it's that there's there's strippers who yeah, show themselves, and not in a not in a Marina Abramovich kind of This yeah. is my body is a representation of the blah 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 context of femininity. Not that way. But I want you to be attracted, like in the, and if and if they're not, if you're a stripper and they're not, then it's it's harsh. Yeah, you, you know? can't blame yeah, the public. You yeah, you can't blame you the public. Hide yeah, it. you tried it and you yeah. honestly tried it and you honestly failed. And I like this idea of that it's you know, comedians are so much exposed to the fail. Like your material that tonight was amazing, tomorrow can fail. Drastic, like, and this, mm -hmm. and that you are so much exposed to the failure, and how much this drill and training you do to your personality and ego, and like yeah. when you're on the top, <laughs> when they're laughing, when you're crashing, your ego it's like out of like yeah. your mind. But then tomorrow, like you know that this feeling can be just crashed in within a few you, seconds. You, I mean, the closest person. I mean, everybody will probably mention uh, what's his name, Andy Kaufman. Yeah. as the closest to like an artist you know like performance it's mm. that was out there that was a different you know but then anytime you try like i don't know if anybody else has tried that or ever gotten that close to it but it is it is a sort of and then there's people talk about getting hooked on it i i know comics who purposely mind themselves meaning they know what's going to work they've done it a couple of times and then they'll purposely sabotage themselves because it's almost like they're chasing that high. Like they want, mm. they want the failure. They don't want it always to be, you know. So Good, all, yeah, yeah. All, all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, they keep telling you you should. If you're not bombing every once in a while, then you're not really doing it well. If you're not, if every tenth uh, time you're up there, you don't kind of feel like you suck a little. It means you're not trying anything new. It means you're not yeah. progressing. Yeah. Because anybody can, you know, after a couple of years, everybody gets like a five, ten minute set or twenty minute, whatever it is. You could keep doing that. Yeah, if it seems easy, it means you're not challenging anything or yeah. yourself. Yeah, and, or and the there's opinion. new topics, and there's new. It's all, you know, another interesting thing about stand-up comedy is that this is not in music, for instance, is that there's no, there's no body that polices it, yet they all police themselves. It's an interesting, actually, I think that's an interesting topic for economists or behavioral science. Like, you can go some every once in a while in Europe, for instance, or in a different speaking area. So you know God the Malay? No. He's the he's a famous French comedian. Ah, God, yeah, 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 yeah. So he used to, he got famous in the early days of YouTube by basically just ripping off Seinfeld jokes. So he would yeah, just yeah, translate yeah. them, and and then you know when the people caught on, he said, "Well, it's an homage." I mean, it's okay, fine. And then then he got away with it because he was sort of presenting stand up to a French you know 
speaking in public who didn't know it and like mm. and then eventually you have his own material or whatever but in general people don't want to do that because you want it to be yours it's not a you don't get the high if you just ripped it off from somebody. Yeah, yeah, you don't get it's it. It's not the same as... You have a guilt. You know that you're it's like... Not, it's not yours. It's not, it doesn't feel as good because it's not you. It's like... Yeah, because you... I mean, they don't know if, like, public might... don't, And the laugh could be truth. But to you, it's all shit, It's not the course. same. Yeah, it's not the like, same as when you came up. It's really what you think, what you feel. And then they connected with you. So it's not the same high. Yeah. But, and, and somehow, you know, like I, you know, I write with a group of comics and every once in a while, somebody will say something like, oh, you know, I heard that. That's because mm. you'll innocently yeah, come yeah. up with the same idea. Some other comic downtown yeah. in another part of the country or from 10 years mm. ago. And somebody will tell you, and hey, you got to make it different. It's too similar. Yeah. Or it's like, even if it's, you 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 did it like without knowing but you know this other comic it actually works better and you're it's like not so you drop it out like of course like it's not yeah. it comes i think in everywhere even in visual there's like so much of out there like every type of ideas yeah. and topic that it's like it's so hard to claim any originality but in the stand-up i think you could like you know part of it so there's two things i think one is very difficult if you watch any special that I mean, the way you really know that a, that a bit or a special or, you know, joke or routine is good is if, like, you watch it from 10 years ago and it's still funny. Yeah. It's very difficult because comedy is contextual. So the context keeps changing as time moves on. So it, it, it's always per, it's perpetually contemporary, mm. you know, like, to yeah. use an art, art, artistic concept, right? So it's very difficult to... Uh, you know, to, to have longevity in it. You have to keep moving forward. You have to, you know, society keeps changing. The context keeps changing. So you have to keep moving forward. You have to keep writing. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, in that sense, it's very consuming. But, um, yeah. but um, you started doing it here. And I assume you were writing in English. Yes. And um, so, and now you write also jokes in Serbian language. What are the difficulties of like so, context and language and you know like yeah. so so there's there's several I, I I think I spoke to some like Serbian comedian about this once um, or even friends so it, you know when rap music started yeah. yeah yeah so you remember how like even other rappers from other countries would only do it in English because the public wasn't used to like there there's something about language that I have a feeling that sometimes stand up because I know stand-up comedians from other countries that only perform in English. And there's something about just the fact that you're used to hearing it in English. It started here. Yeah. It's the same thing like with rap. Like you'd hear rap rappers from, you know, Belgium, but they would speak English. Mm. And then only slowly did you start hearing French and other languages. Mm. Then you got, the public got used to hearing it in a different, because there is a part of stand-up, like with rap, that's very rhythmic. You know, like mm -hmm. you almost look at, what how many um constant how many uh uh you know how long a word is what the what the rhythm of the words sometimes even that's important so language is a big part of it when i wrote initially in english is because that's how i heard stand-up comedy stand-up comedy in serbia or in serbian you know didn't really even in europe it's really just the last 15 years mm -hmm. let's say yeah and 
it's interesting even the if I go to I performed in Paris, I performed in, in Madrid, and there's there's stand up scenes now uh exploding all over Europe, especially mature in Paris and and and, uh, and Barcelona. And they do both English and Spanish, but English and French, a lot of the comics. Mm. So they can they can shift in both directions. Um and in Serbia that started like I think also like ten ten years ago. And once you once the audience gets used to once your ear gets used to hearing it, you you can more easily write in it. To just start, let's say you're the first stand-up comedian in Mongolia. You have to start writing. You really like it's it's all new. It's all you, yeah. you know, the rhythm, the tone, the you know. So I think the difference is writing in Serbian versus writing and it took a lot of it was more difficult in Serbia, just because I'm not I, I know how to tell jokes in Serbia, mm. but that's not really stand-up. Yeah. And the whole thing about stand-up is finding your voice. Is my voice the same in English as in Serbian? Mm. I think it is, but some things I could translate, some things I can't translate. There's some contextual things that people here will get that they yeah. will get there, people there will get yeah. over here. So there's all that. But um, yeah, I do. I do now. I'm only starting to, in the past you know, year, two years, I've been writing to perform there. And like you were at a show uh, that I did in Serbia, and I, I'm going to take all that and use recording, and I'm going to go through this version. Mm -hmm. So you do the same stuff in English yeah. as in Serbia, but I think certain things you can't do in a language. I mean, it's so very frustrating, especially when I try to translate things. I'm like, well, this I can't say it like this, and it just doesn't yeah. work. Like, um, I remember trying to translate. So when I was in high school, sometimes people would ask me to translate songs that they hear, you know, in English. And they want to hear it. What what is what is what are the lyrics in Serbian? Can you translate them for me? And sometimes it'd be frustrating because I I would translate it, but it wouldn't be you know Same, yeah. it would be lost. So there's uh, sometimes language is a is a uh, a barrier. Yeah, I feel like uh, um, in one of the episodes I was speaking with one girl that translates poetry, and uh, as a translator of poetry, you're actually creating a new poem. It's, yes, I think it's the same with the joke. Like it needs like. To, you need to find equivalent of the meaning, equivalent of the strength or like the context yeah, in the another language. Yeah. yeah, and it's interesting. It's actually interesting when translating a poem. It's all, it's on it's a whole talent. It's it's you know you need like another poet or like yeah. somebody that it's it's a really. I remember I was translate. There was a song. Uh, it's a Fiona Apple song, and she's like in the song she's arguing with her boyfriend, and uh, the argument is I mean the argument. Um, she's saying, "Oh, but you you don't love me, love, you know." And he tells her, uh, "It's all in your head." And she says, "But so is everything." So if you translate that, you know, you understand that now mm. in English. It's all, but everything's in my head. You know, this, you know, if I tried, I tried to translate that in, in, in Serbian. You know, it doesn't all everything. So yeah, you have yeah. to find. You know, yeah, yeah. there's a difference in English between yeah, all. Yeah, you had everything. that bit about yeah. like you know not being able to. There, there is a sort of I know people in the West Balkan Slavic or whatever the, the linguists are calling it now. It's B S B C S. Yeah, but Bos B S H. B S H. Bos like um, I mean oh, at yeah. least in Bosnia, Bos Bosnia, 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 um, it has a smaller fund of words than, than English. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> it's not me. I mean, it's like, linguists. See, everybody... Yeah, no, no, but like, 
it's, uh, because the English language is such a young language, and I feel I mean when it comes to tonality, I don't know if even it's the word like you know yeah. you're whatever like my English, it's what it is, and um, it's very flat as a yeah. you know that it's not it doesn't have like you know like like you cutting something like a chop board you know like when I when my friends hear me. You know, I sound like a tractor to them, you yeah. know? It's not a sexy language or something. It's like... Well, for women, it is. Because, <laughs> because, because, or at least the accent it is. Because, uh, you know, Hollywood has made such Bond girl. You know, all the Eastern European Bond girls are all mm. sexy. So, Eastern European women... Yes, certain, like, yeah, Russian. Yeah, women, yeah. Like, it's a certain figure. But, you know, like, for example, I mean, maybe comparing to a Slavic language, uh, but you know, if you compare it with different other languages uh, from from Middle East, or you know, they're like uh, much the like thousands of years old languages. So that's something that it's different. But I know when I was like in a in a theater recently to see the death of the Macbeth. Oh my God! I had no clue that English can Mac be. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I I watched with, in English with subtitles, yeah, yeah. and I still didn't understand yeah. shit. I know. So Shakespeare's dead. It's all it's archaic and yeah. spoken in like poetry. And it's really, you know, the thing about the reason why. So I spoke to linguists, uh, you know, that I knew. And one of the things they used to say about Serbo-Croatian or Bosnian-Serbo-Croatian is uh, if you're learning other languages, it's a good language to start from. We really have a talent for languages. You know, it, it's, I know it's, uh, if you look, look, have you ever heard a French person speak anything? No. <laughs> it's a disaster, you know? Yes. If they don't, they're terrible. Like, yes. It's just, but if you're starting, because we have, you know, you have these weird, very specific, we have seven, uh, you know, yeah, like, constant, uh, uh, seven, no, uh, seven, um, conjunctions. Yeah. Seven conjunctions, I guess. Oh, whatever. We, it's a complex language. Yeah. It has a lot of different sounds. And it's easy, if you know that as a starting point, you can sort of mm. move learn Japanese yeah. there's, no, there's very few sounds that you can't make yeah way. I mean like yeah how you create your muscles and break your tongue and you know it's also a phonetic language I know if you if you yeah. there, there's like not many phonetic languages in this world but those where you can like easily then just read or but the issue with when when you say like there's a higher uh, there's a higher number of words in English it has nothing to do with the age of the language. It, unfortunately, it has to do with the poverty of the of the surroundings. It's just there's just hasn't been enough stuff and enough time and enough you know that's that's part of it. English takes from German, from French, from Latin, you know there's all this shit. They've traveled all over the world, taking things and taking languages and taking people and every. It's a very diverse you know. I mean, it's spoken on how many continents. It would be amazing if Serbo-Croatian and Bosnian had had anywhere near as many. It really would yeah. be insane. If that was the case. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we have Turkish words, we have German yeah. words, we have some French words, Latin words, Greek words. We do, but they are sort of frozen in time. We don't have like uh, several words for the same thing. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's it's a it's material mm -hmm. culture in the end. But still, like I know, I was speaking with a friend of my, Anthony, uh, Anthony from Belgrade, and in his episode, we were uh deconstructing or like speaking about swearing about construction yeah. of swears about translating anger and this uh you know ventil of anger through a language and 
how it limited can be, for example, in German, even in English. This creativity of making a swear in our language or some languages, yeah. also other languages have like very creative ways of like making it so abstract, but still, still hurtful. But what is, you know, we came to the point also that it's possible to hurt, you can hurt sometimes person more without saying a bad word, of course, like uh, what means swear, what means a bad yeah. word, but like this creativity of language and how it can like, where it comes from, from this like the taboo or social so, society, societal uh, problems that are like, that's what creates a swear, you know? Yeah. Uh, like comes usually from religious aspects, from like taboos, from, uh, you know, um, yeah. But like, you know, we were speaking about very nice like swears. I love to translate that one to, to friends of mine, like, um, fuck your son or a moon or a star yeah, yeah, yeah. bloody star so yeah, yeah, yeah. poetic man it's like yeah. crazy yeah. but like you don't have this like in english no. if you when you translate it's like what the fuck are you like yeah. is it hurtful but like yeah you say this to children usually yeah you know but yeah. fuck your blood yeah <laughs> no no we go to the dna fuck we go brain. to the ancestors brain. like to delete everything yeah, yeah. Yeah, fuck the bread. I was I forgot that one. Like, <laughs> I forgot it, that one. That's one of the classics. It's almost like, and they're they're said almost like, uh, you know, the way Americans will say like. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's almost like that. What do you call those words? Uh, connecting words. Yeah. It doesn't always have the. Uh, yeah, it's not always meant to be insulting. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. It's like a street language, like yeah. became almost. Yeah. Yeah. Greeting. Yeah, I always, I always was found. Um, yeah, I, I, I always found the, the cursing in, in. Everybody starts a language with cursing. They always kind of want to know how do you guys curse? Like, what do you use? Your putain in French, you know, it mm. just means whore, but it means fuck at the same time. I don't get it, you know. <laughs> and then uh, some some languages are very shit oriented. Other country languages are more fucking oriented, and other languages are more, you know, the God thing is 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 really bad if you, you know. Curse. The word curse comes mm-hmm. from to blaspheme, to the proclish, the proclish. Mm-hmm. How do you to curse somebody? Yeah. It means to, you know, say some may something bad happen to you. It's like to, to, yeah. to bring on bad luck. So yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe English is lacking in that in that uh, aspect. It's too. It's only like what George Carlin said: seven words. You know. Yeah. Yeah, what was that? Fifty years ago or yeah, something? Yeah, fifty years ago. Even then, it was like ten tits. So the best part of that. Yeah. I was shit, cunt, fuck, motherfucker. Yeah, but that's the thing that they were just words, like they were not yeah. even actions. Yeah. Well, they yeah. boiled it down. The interesting thing is, I know, I know that is always taken as a big moment for free speech, thing, but you have to also take into consideration that they really just boiled it down to seven words. Like you can literally say anything except these seven words. And mm. even that was too much to ask, you know. Just, yeah. So, um, but it, that, that's more, it comes in more with decency. I think. Mm. It, it, not, it wasn't like a freedom of speech thing. It was just sort of yeah. decency. Mm. So, but then people were getting arrested for it. They weren't getting yes. fined. They were getting arrested, which is now an issue of freedom of speech. Yeah. But um, anyway, so yeah. I. Yeah, this is what I got here a bit. Like, I mean, there's a lot of absurdity. I mean, I'm here just for two months. And of course, I'm just a tourist and cannot say I had such a bad experience, but just observation that I think in some months might be like clarified or years, you know? Um, and I hope it's not the last time I'll I come you here. Out. What, do you, no. what do you need? No, to, it's just like a lot of people have a opinion. Everyone has a voice. 
Yes, but not true. everyone has fans, you know, like no. it's, it's a, but then like, you know, I just had these contradictions. Like I can, like, you know, your, my freedom ends where your nose starts. Yeah. That's the point. And I can tell you literally whatever the fuck I want, but I cannot drink a bottle of beer outside. You know, oh, <laughs> I need a paper. I, I, I know I used to, So here's the thing. I understand that I, my whole life I've been sort of, I mean, you know, Yugoslavia or whatever, you know, we think of ourselves in a sort of, yeah. you know, we, we kind of tend to put ourselves down. It's a European country. So it is, it comes from a European mindset. And I go to your, and I travel a lot and have friends in Europe, all over Europe, you know, originally German, not just, you know, Serbs and Croats, whatever. So I hear the complaints that Europeans have about America. <laughs> and a lot of them are on spot on. A lot of them I agree with. Some of them, though, are just like I always. I always found that the you know French coming in, I got to show my ID in a bar to drink kind of bullshit. It's almost it's almost set up as like this mm. trope. Like they can't wait. Like French, I've had people from Europe come here and not can't wait to get ID'd just so they could roll their eyes. Like, Ugh, I can't believe, you know. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Europe, oh, that's in bars in America, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. If you look youngish, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, in Europe, meanwhile, you have to have an idea ID with you all the time. A cop can stop you anywhere on the street for no reason whatsoever mm -hmm. in Europe and say, "Can yeah. see your ID," yeah. which happens regularly in Germany. So, what the fuck are you complaining about? You have to carry an ID to walk outside the house. What do you, you know, like it's yeah. it's whereas in America they're not allowed to. Yeah, the cops are not allowed to ask for your ID unless you you're committing a crime. Yeah. So there's these weird things where like, all right, it's just. I mean, that's just for me, like, I can understand, you know, someone, I guess, like, for any American coming to, like, Germany or something, it would be also so many contradictions in itself, or, like, send a, you know, American to Bosnia without credit card, like, it's gonna die 48 yeah. hours, you know, like, but the thing is, um, it's just, like, this, uh, how do you say, um, contradictions, I guess, like, just was a bit, uh-huh, and it's my brain and it's just so much pumped by all these like media images, by the movies, like I have everything comparing to a movie. Like, oh, I did, I saw this here, I heard it there. Like I'm living whole Seinfeld life here, literally, you know? Especially because you're in New York. Right? Yeah. And you're like, oh shit, yeah. you recognize things on a daily basis because you've seen them in movies. You've yeah, but like maybe for you that you are born here, you don't leave that movie, you know? And what was disappointing for me, yeah. but also good, was that I just figured out here people live and work like everywhere yeah, else. They're, they're like, that's the thing. Like every day is a fucking hustle, three, four jobs, maybe even more, more. you know? Like, and that was like for me, ah, well, it's not so much different there no. where I come and work, you know? It's the same shit. This, uh, but this is also a narrative that I deconstructed by coming mm -hmm. here. I spoke with my aunt and she was like, you could go anywhere else in the world and you went to America and New York. Like, you know, yeah, I would be interested to see like Sao Paulo. I would like interested to see like, well, yeah, I should go there. And also like, if you go by that narrative, be raped by 8 p.m. or whatever, you know, like, I mean, I mean, it, it is <laughs> yeah. like in a sense of if you want to go, like she's like, you go there. You know, I would never, nothing attracts me there. Like, you've never been here. So you have these images that's like, I don't know well, what there's, you there's saw big, in the Sex and the City or whatever. Yeah, there's, there's a sort of, there's a sort of cheap anti-Americanism that, that is uh, rampant in Europe, especially amongst the more educated yeah. people in Europe. 
Um, and part of it is correct. So a lot of it is right. But a lot of it is just bullshit. And I, I, I have friends who say this. Oh, friends, I don't know. I have nothing to see in America. Like, I wouldn't say that about, you know, Turkmenistan. Do you yeah. know, I wouldn't say that about, I don't know, any other, any country, really, but let alone a country of 300 million people that, yeah. you know, has had some impact on world culture. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, but it's it's sort of cool to be dismissive of it. You know, it's, yeah, uh, that's, that's I'm going to go to Tbilisi. I like Tbilisi. I have good friends from Tbilisi. Yeah. You, know, I, you know, but if I said, I'm never going to go to Tbilisi, I have nothing to see there, you'd think this guy's a moron. Yeah. You know, but somebody can say that in, in the middle of France, in the middle of Paris, be like, yeah. oh, he's smart. It doesn't need that American bullshit. Yeah. It's it's a gigantic. It's country. dismissive, exactly, to those people who are making this, like let's say this city where I'm now yeah. visiting. You know, like, and that's the beauty of the city that, like, in 200 meters, I can be in completely different world, different surrounding, different language, and this is for me was really something that, like, you need to live uh, at least even for two months just to walk through the city and see this. And feel this with your feet, how big it is, just a small city, like what was like in a in a movie, oh, a couple of streets, but here you walk and you see that people make this city and how is the everyday struggle and hustle and everyday talks. It's the same yeah. like wherever I come from. And even I in, in Berlin I speak English, you know, like so and then I have friends here I studied with and it's I just felt like okay, I know when I first arrived and I was like going from airport in a car and I was thinking I'm going to have this like ah moment but it was nothing like and I was like I don't feel surprised I feel I already see I guess from this like uh, you know green style everything I saw already in movies so I felt like I was not like surprised by uh, yeah. you know visuals yeah. but I was surprised by like how people are also genuinely kind and that you can have interactions in public space without any intentions, like, oh, hi, how are you all? Like, oh, great, great, do you want to play a ball? And then, like, in 10 minutes, ciao. And that's fine, because you share this public space yeah. and this interaction that in some societies is completely alienate, uh, alienated. Alienated, yeah. yeah. And, like, I lost that, in a way, by, you know, being so, so long, maybe in Germany, where you fear. You know, I was in fear for a lot of years. You know, coming there is, like, 22, 23. First, I was in fear because I had no clue about anything in this world. I did, you know, fear of my knowledge or not having it. Then when you gain it, then you have a fear of like, will I be able to stay here? Will I be yeah. able to fund this? Papers, like visa, yeah. this, visa, that. And then like, how should I behave at work? How should I behave and talk to someone? Should I, I need to learn German as soon as possible. Otherwise, you know, there is always some kind of fear that was like rushing me yeah. that if I lose this, what I invested for, like I was crying my eyes out, thinking like, if I go back to Bosnia, what's gonna happen? Yeah, it's very stressful. Yeah, I, I've never. So I, being born here, I never had those stresses. But I had a lot of friends, and I saw it through them, and I still have. There's some of them are still going through that, where, you know, it's it's the distance between some parts of the Balkans, all of the Balkans, basically, and even Berlin or even Western Europe. I, I always differentiate Eastern Europe from Western Europe. Yes, yeah, it's, you should. The, the wealth gap is wealth, yeah, yeah, and that's big point. The consequences of World War Two were mm -hmm. gigantic. I mean, anything east of freaking Austria and, and south was just it was a completely mm -hmm. different world of war. You know, then you have the Western Europe is where all the colonial powers are. So you have they they're 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 constantly sucking resources and money out of the rest of the world. Eastern Europe is a different story. So in Eastern Europe, you really do have this, you know, like it, it, leaving Paris and going back to Bercheburg, 
I'm sorry, but there's a lot of, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, for me, it's a parallel reality, yes. even in different timelines. You as cannot well. use some of the skill set that you came to learn in there. You just can't use it. Mm. What is it? You know, it's not there for anybody. Um, the stuff that you learned in Brzko, you can use in Paris. And I used to make this joke that America, I mean, I still do. Whenever I'm in Europe, I make this joke. Uh, America is special because it's a country, it's, like, it's a country of immigrants, you know, the mm-hmm. U.S., right? It is. But it's a country of immigrants only in one direction. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, there, there's don't... no, it's not a country, it's actually interesting on two aspects. One, it's a country of people coming here. Mm. But two, it's a country that doesn't have any immigrants going anywhere. Yeah. Like you have French immigrants, you have the French immigration, the Irish immigrants, the Mexicans coming, Serbs, whatever, Croats, it doesn't matter. You have all these immigrants coming to America. There's no American immigrants. There's no little Paris on the outskirts. Of, there's no little Pittsburgh on the outskirts of Detroit. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah, no yeah. There's no little community of Americans yeah, yeah. Who, who do drywall work and construction, yeah. you know, living right outside of London. Do you know what I mean? Like in some ghetto type place. Yeah. That doesn't exist. Americans don't have that experience yeah. of being somewhere else, being discriminated against, trying to make. Yeah, we meet. talk about it. they can be just expats, you know. Yeah, expats bullshit. Yeah, expats is you come there, you have more money than the general population. Yeah. You're one of the richest. Per, you're in the top one. Per, that's not a or or these artists traveling. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. I'm, That's bullshit. That's you know that's not that's not the struggle, right? Yeah. So it's America's interesting in that aspect. It doesn't. It's doesn't have those types of immigrants but also like i would not say you know for example bosnia or serbia croatia after went into european union it's also one-way street yeah you don't see people moving to bosnia like i can imagine if german person who moved to bosnia would get better job faster but everything better than bosnians and like but me coming back to bosnia not necessarily i would get this yeah. You know, I would be seen through different prism. Oh, you just came back now to tell us like what you learned, whatever. But uh, it's still also one way street. There's people in. They don't like. So, so, so there's a in America. I didn't. I read about this. So the U.S. Fifty percent of every immigrant that comes to the U.S. goes back. Mm. So it's only like only half stay. Yeah. Most people leave after you know working a couple of years, working their whole life, whatever. They they move back to their country of origin. Um. You have this, one of the, the things that they say is a crisis of the European Union, actually, is that, so, you know where you get people moving, like, in Bulgaria, for instance, had a lot of British people buying. Mm, Germans as well, old. You know, but this is buying real estate, even yeah. in Spain or Greece, they buy up real estate, that's part of the reasons why there was a real estate crisis in Europe mm. in 2008, whatever. So you have that. But yeah, you don't, have, I mean, I know some people, but again, it has to be from a developed economy to a developed economy. Like I know a guy from Milan who works in Poland and, and just, he just moved mm. to Poland to work. But Poland's already a serious country. Yeah, I know yeah. people from Paris who moved to Berlin. I know people, you know, what are they going to do? Once the pay rate in Bosnia hopefully reaches, yeah. you know, something that's attracted to the guy mm. from Paris, they move there. Yeah. But I don't think, um, one of the, the one of the, I was reading recently that one of the crises, crises of Europe, and the reason why you have an anti-EU sort of attitude in Hungary, mm-hmm. somewhat in Poland, some, you know, like, is partially because the way that you're sold to them is, okay, you're, now you're in the European Union, we all get the chair and jobs, and, you know, you get to come here. It's not really like that. A Hungarian person moving to Paris, even with a yeah. French education, it's not that, you know what I mean? He's yeah, not yeah. going to get the same job. As the no, no. You can wait tables all the while. Yeah, I mean, I have friends staying in Serbia, staying in Bosnia, 
uh, working for, you know, companies in Paris, like, you know, as programmers or whatever, like they could do remotely after getting minimum paycheck that is considered in, in France or somewhere else, but like, it's great in Serbia, you know? Yeah, so yeah. like, if I, if I could like have this skill and I didn't want to leave my hometown or that region, that would be a like good way to make yourself make living yeah, from yeah. this, you know, in that way. But I wanted to come back to comedy. Okay, so now to go back to the comedy, um, after a little break, um, you had recently, you went to Serbia and you had uh, your, you recorded yeah. a new, new hour, if I understood well. I didn't even record it. I did two, uh, I did the, my special twice. I performed it twice. I think I may record it in October. I may do a recording. Mm-hmm. So for now, we just, we were thinking of recording it and then, both of well, one venue was outside, and I figured it was a great space. I figured ah, maybe recording it outside isn't as good because of the acoustics and whatever. You're more, as far as laughter goes, you want a smaller space, enclosed. And then um, the other thing was, uh, yeah. So basically, that's why I didn't record it. I may record it in, in October. But how was it? How did you feel? Like you did a new material in Serbian language. And we already spoke about, you know, actually you have two mother tongues and like the jokes sometimes can translate, sometimes can't. But um, I already listened to some of your material when uh, uh, in New York, but like how, how much of this changed and like how did you find the public there? And Well, the, so, <clears throat> so basically I think about, I mean, if you break down the material, I think about 50% of the material, maybe 40% was, was translated from English or at least you know the jokes at least were sometimes you don't you can't you don't translate the joke but the joke is you know like the concept of the joke is the same and then you don't you don't translate word for word yeah. you just try to tell it in, in, in a different language so that was about 50 percent the other 50 percent was you know things I've, I've only tried there you can't obviously you can't do you know they don't have the same reference points they don't have say they're not yeah. living in the same context so you have to be, you know, yeah. aware of that. Some things are translatable, meaning universal. Mm. Um, some things are not. Some jokes you can translate without an issue, and some, you know, they just don't get because it's not um, the cultural references aren't there, or es- essentially, uh, you know, they're just sometimes the mood of the of the crowd. You know, like every country's got a mood. Yeah. And sometimes you got to read the room, and that's the same thing. It would be an entire culture. So some jokes will work in Italy, but they won't work in yeah in, in Pakistan or whatever. Even if they are universal, supposedly. So uh, yeah, you you take that into consideration. The other point of this, so the other point of stand up is not just the context of the of the crowd, not just the uh, context of the country or the society, and the reference points. It's also the um, sophi- not sophi- I don't want to say sophistication of the crowd, but how how used to stand up are they, or how how much stand up have they seen? How like this is in the U.S. You know, or English speaking world, most people have heard a stand up comedian, have been a lot of people have been to a stand up show, uh, at least have seen it on TV, if not live. So there's a you know. It, it's like the difference between performing ballet yeah. in St. Petersburg or Paris versus, you know, on Mars. You know, like it, 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 the, the public has seen it 
they know how to read. So in Serbia, I guess they're, you know, it's relatively a new thing. I think, you know, the first yeah. Serbian standard was like 10, 15 years ago. Compared to, you know, in the U.S. or England, it's, it's already 40, 50 years. Yeah. So there's those aspects. Although there are, meaning, how do I put this? They don't have to catch up as much. You know, like they, they don't have to go through 50 years. You know, of it's expensive. It. So, yeah. So those are the two kind of things. And it's, the crowd was, you know, uh, very good. Um, it, was an, it was a crowd that knows stand-up. Um, and peppered with people who were there the first, you know, who stand up for the first time, and uh, they're good. They 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 know what they like, and, and it was fun. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned already um, um, in the first half of the podcast about um, you know how crowd get used to it to one language of some medium in this case stand up comedy. And after we had first half recorded, I. Um, I listened a lot of, um, I mean, a lot, like a couple of comedians from Belgrade um, that are, hello? Yeah, yeah, true. Ah, okay, because your image is frozen somehow. Oh, and, uh, I, I, was, I was listening some comedy shows in, in Serbian language, and of course they were funny, but still felt a bit uh, off something. I don't know, I felt, and then I was thinking about it, and I don't know if you, because you're much more experienced in this than me, or like already had many more uh, conversations about it. And I had this theory in my head, why might it didn't work so well for me? I, I really, I mean, I was listening also interviews with comedians, and they're like super cool uh, in what they think about, and you know, how they structure jokes. So everything is exactly the same, I would say, like, you would use the syntax of comedy and writing a joke from English language. I don't think it works in our language. Yeah. So, because I would say rather that it doesn't go like, oh, setting up and then punching with a joke. Setting up, I don't think that maybe this would work in every language. It would feel almost like taking a, a Serbian language syntax of the uh, sentence, like grammar, and putting German words in it. So I don't know if maybe you just need to invent. We already mentioned like our people from that region are very funny, full of humor, and they leave it as we said. Yeah. And I'm thinking maybe there should be a different way how to structure the performance, well, I, comedy performance. Maybe they'll, you know, like the thing is, you're right. So, so I think I don't know if we talked about it in the first part of this, but. The, the, when we just spoke, uh, you know, between ourselves, but um, I kind of compare it to rap. Yeah, we you know, said that, you, you mentioned you, that. You yeah. listen to like, um, you know, French rap or Serbian rap from 20 years ago, you could tell they're just, they're using the beats and the syntax or the, or the, uh, the, the, um, I forgot another word, the um, syllables yeah. are landing in the, in an English beat almost. They're using the, the cadence of, of, of they're, they're almost like writing it in English and translating it and then trying to fit it into the beat. So there's, there's a, there's a musical element to stand up uh, that I think just has to develop in that language. And there's, mm. there's Croatian. Uh, I mean, one of the good things is that there's Croatian. It's, it's maybe it'll be interesting to see how the sounds, because all those language languages or you want to call it one language 
Um, they're very similar, but they do have different, you know, musicality to them. I think it'll be interesting in, you know, like in, in 10, 20 years when, when Serbo-Croatian or Bosnian stand-up is, is mature, mm. it'll be interesting to see the differences of how, you know, because you can already tell that in, in movies and even yeah. in, in memes and whatever. So the, the, the difference, there's two things with, I think, stand-up that, that um, has to... So there's a lot of comedians you saw, but the one, the crew I, I hang out with, not to, to, not to say like, uh, you know, the crew I hang out with is the best, but I think they are the best. And uh, as far as, the, so, well, like, you know, guys like uh, Nikola Radojlovic, Sergio Dinci. Yeah, Stella. that's who I listen to. Okay, well. <laughs> I thought, I mean, who else? Who else? That's the leading group. Um, like. Well, I want to say something. Well, I mean, there's, there's a couple others, uh, but uh, there's, so, And then there's like, I forgot the name of the girl from Croatia, Marina Orsag. I think that's her name. She's really good. There's a bunch of others. So, so there's, there's almost, from what I could tell when I was there, and I, I'm not completely, there's two tracks. There's this track of like stand-up guys, serious, you know, whose jokes are like, you know, you could retell them in, in you know, I could tell them my American friends in English who, who do stand-up and they'll get it and it'll be funny. Then there's like guys who just go around telling jokes about gypsies, you know, to, to bars and, you know, and then, and those are two very separate. They still are considered stand-up in both, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, I don't know if they're both really stand-up, but so there's that other crew, which I'm glad you didn't, <laughs> you didn't bump into, but you're right. There's a language thing. And then there's another thing. So there's the maturity of how the, the how stand-up will will apply in the language. Then there's another thing, which is the comedian himself. So I have a feeling, my impression is that in in um and you can totally tell, like it's it's almost if you rewound the bat the, the if you rewound the clock in the US, there you know, there'd be a point by I don't know, 80, 70, 90, I don't know what it is, when comedians were like that. But there's a part of doing stand-up comedy about the, the comedian on stage. You have to let go of trying to be cool. You have to let go. You, there's a, there's an openness to it that I think hmm. eventually some somebody's going to break that ball. I think Sujan is very close to that or maybe the, the best at that in Serbia because he's he's a public figure. So he yeah. can't be closed. So there's an element of what Sujan does, which is like a mature stand-up, you know, set anywhere in the world and then there's elements of like what nicola does which is really good writing which is you know mm. he's also and whatever but you know and um it, it'll it'll get there i mean they're yeah it's they amazing work a what, lot they work a lot and actually I, i was not aware of it so well and um now it's for me just a dream even to perform in my own mother tongue i'm still like not there at all and yeah but um some some things we we lost in the first time recording and that I wanted to address and I think was very interesting when you were explaining to me is like this hassle of being a stand-up comedian in New York, uh, process of getting open mics, um, who is when in the lineup. I really uh, enjoyed that. And um, I don't know if I remember, but um, also I, I did in, in the meantime, I did one open mic. Oh my God, I was shit scared. Why? I don't know why. Because I was in New York. I had this feeling that everyone is good. Because I was just really going to, um, how you say, clubs that are 
not allowing much of uh, experimentation, but it was like material that was checked. So I was really exposed to good comedians. I had those great moments seeing uh, big names that I was like, you know, we already mentioned, I really love Sam Morel, not Mark Norman. I had a luck to listen to Chris Rock and there was also Louis C.K. I mean, and then I went to open mic, um, which was also a luck to get somehow. And um, I was, it was 13 of us. I was the only one not being from U.S., and I think as soon as I came yeah. to stage, that was already a hit by by the accent. But um, yeah. and it was, of course, uh, the, just three girls were there, three women. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. was sort of like also um, disappointing, also surprising for me, but also not in a way. And uh, all of them were like white dudes having homophobic, racist jokes. And I was really? like... Yes, I was like my friends. I filled up the space because I invited all other artists that were there and friends from my because they didn't see me performing. And we were like, I was almost the last one, so we needed to go through all of them, listening and like being so uncomfortable because really some jokes were like you should not speak about it, you know. And I was like, like a cold shower. Okay, so you see that why some comedians are really good and why some comedians are like. Still just yeah. trying and you know i went in on stage i did like it was four minutes material i had prepared eight but like i got to four and i was like it, it it was really successful at the end i was feeling great like you know the host invited me to another show but i you know i was seeing that as a compliment but um i needed to leave new york anyway and yeah but um i was What's i was good um i don't I don't know if you know him. He's also like young. I have him now on Instagram, but um, he's, um, I mean, they had this like comedy mob and there are two guys leading. One was even performing, was like, uh, not, yeah. but like well, the host was someone Mike, else. So you have, yeah, like I mentioned, some clubs have development sets where mm-hmm. like they, they let younger, which isn't really a mic, it's a development show. And a lot of clubs have, have moved away from that just because they, you know, they want to put up as many comedians doing you know material as yeah. possible but uh, but yeah mics are it's a free-for-all you get so for my <clears throat> a lot of mics you get people who it's half the time it's not even i don't even know what it is it's just yeah. plain it's not even standard so it, it it goes it runs the gamut. some mics are really good i'm, I'm sorry that you, I, i'm surprised i haven't been to a mic in a long time so i'm surprised that there's still guys coming up there with maybe they're you know the shock shock value thing they're going for that i don't know or maybe they don't know a lot of times it's the first yeah. time they've uttered the words that they're saying you know, in no the but i really appreciated that i also uh experienced that because otherwise i would just come back uh into berlin and i would be like oh my god over there is so amazing everything is great no it's like everyone is trying and learning and going through whatever shit so it's like struggle like everywhere and it you know you saw how the sausage is made, you know. Yeah. And and then you, because it's it's not no, it's all trial and error. It's very little, very few people are like you know come preformed and 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 prepared. It's all you just keep pushing and and trying to see what works. So yeah, but um, what's with the you already said like you know mics are for free everyone and um. I know I heard something. Do you need sometimes to pay to perform or bring like 
I needed well, to bring so someone. So there's the, the structure sort of, you know, to review the structure of uh, doing stand-up in New York City, or I guess most most cities, um, is, so you have mics, which could be, you know, free-for-all, anything. Uh, sometimes the mics are only attended by the other comedians that are performing or whoever it is, slam poets, whatever kind of mic it is. Sometimes there's people at the bar who just, okay, hey, let's check it out, you know. Um, so there's that level. Then there's the level of um, like development shows or bringers. So a lot of times there'll be producers, people at clubs who say, okay, it's usually an early show. And, you know, you got to bring at least a couple people, you know. There's sometimes some are more strict, some are less strict. But they want you to bring a crowd in because they're not really, you know, promoting the show. So that, that those are bringers. And they run, you know, even big clubs do them and even, you know. Then you have development shows, which are shows, they're more and more rare, which shows, hey, these are the new, ta the new talent shows. Mm. And they can be earlier and, um, and maybe they're not bringers, maybe they are bringers. And then you have professional shows, which are divided on weekdays, you know, and weekends. And the only the difference is they get paid better on weekdays. Uh, sorry, it's weekdays. not the performance are, can be the same. Like it's not that some uh, if you're better. There's that too. Be yeah, weekend. yeah. There's better usually the weekends or you know certain you know headlining on the weekend is a bigger deal than you know, Tuesday night, and it does pay you know slightly better or whatever. It's not you know nobody's living off of that. Big name comedians aren't you know, but it's like whatever twenty twenty percent difference in in pay. Like what would be the payment? Do you know like? It's, one, it's one, not. Two. It's seventy-five to like two hundred dollars. That's okay. what we're talking about. Um, so it's not. You know, maybe it's, sometimes that is like a regular club spot. Like mm. you tell, what happens is once you're on rotation, what they call past at a club. So you're a free-flowing, free agent comedian, kind of doing mics, doing shows, and then sometimes they have auditions, or sometimes the club will invite you to, to audition, and you'll get passed. Now. Different clubs have different rate how they pass people. Sometimes they pass you on like a uh, probationary period, like you know they pass you for late night, meaning you you only perform at the, like the worst shows or the latest shows, and then you have you slowly climb up the ranks. Eventually, you get oh these are my avails. So you send in every month, you send in your availability for next month, and then they say okay we'll book you Tuesday at eight p.m. You know that show, and then you show up, and and that that's how you. That's what I'm talking about. Those seventy-five to two hundred dollars is for that. Yeah. Um, that used to be something people could live on in the New York yeah, City. Like five of those shows a week, maybe you know at two hundred. But you know, like I don't know. Sometimes it's less. Sometimes it's fifty. Then you have if you're a headliner and it's your show, like they're you're the marquee. Then it's based on ticket price. Yeah. It's based. You get you get a percentage of the door, whatever you agree with with, with the. Uh, with the uh, club owner or promoter or whatever so yeah okay cool yeah i was like uh, trying to get this kind of thing when i was there also but of course like um seeing some comedians and i feel like oh my god if i mean his full-time job and i'm like can you really live from this and you have really little time to do something else if you really want to like yeah, if you really, I mean, it's very difficult in New York City, especially. I mean, like I know, I know guys who live off of it. We're not world. Like you talked about Norman Morell, they yeah. have a more comfortable life. They can live off of it. Yeah. You know, but I'm talking like other guys who are really good. You know, they they don't really. It's not a comfortable life. Meaning they have to grind. They have to work a lot. And and 
it's it's almost uh, you know one of the things oh one of the things I wanted to mention in this system I just explained of, of open mics and late night development. One of the things that sort of that breaks that model is is fame, meaning uh, because of social media, some people can get a lot of followers, and then all of a sudden, you know, you can bring they know you can bring a crowd in, and it doesn't matter. But so sometimes clubs will kind of play with their with their rules on that because somebody's got you know a million followers or not. They're not terribly funny, but whatever, we will put them up even though they haven't gone through that yeah. system of past. So there's that. Sometimes people have a momentary flash of, you know, celebrity, and then they get booked for a weekend at, at Caroline. You know, it happens. The club owner's primary goal is to get people in the door. So. Good. Good to know that. I mean, I would like if you come to Berlin, I think that would be great. Over sure. there, I mean, of course you have clubs and clubs that are there for some decades, but still functions a lot on like, and it's a very young, like all people are very young. And um, it's like these Facebook groups, open mics. And it's like really going there, spot please, spot please, spot please. And it's easier, it's easier to get like um, the shows because I think people also like to see new faces, new voices. Uh, rather than like when it's uh, like 15 people just repeating and running these shows. Um, yeah, there, there, yeah, sorry, there, there, yes, uh, there's something, I mean, I know when I go, when I, like I said, I performed in Paris and Barcelona and Bel Belgrade now and other places around, and, and you know, where the industry, where there isn't like a stand-up industry for real yet, yeah, it probably will be, but at that level, um, it's kind of fun, you know, because everybody's just putting shows together. It's almost like, you know, punk rock, you know, it's just, it's just, we're just putting shows together for the fun of it. There's something pure about it, you know, whereas if you're in New York and LA, okay, who are you? You know, everybody knows everybody's level kind of, yeah, at least okay. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely much more uh, hard. That's why I was scared because I was just intimidated. I think also this, uh, I don't know everyone praising New York for comedy, but they should because it's really good. And, and that's why I was like, oh my God, like me just coming, even this shitty small open mic for me was huge, you know? Um, it was sort of a challenge. But yeah, I don't know if we mentioned already in the first half of the podcast, you know, that I try to combine this now with the, with the visual arts. I mean, contemporary art and what I'm mm -hmm. doing here. And in New York, I did this sort of open forum and I was just tr giving opportunity to people to punch up. Uh, sort of, I, I put some thought over there uh, through a joke or something. And then they can like, oh, you know, but I was thinking that, oh my God, when I gave, when you open the gate, you open a gate for everything. This is insane. At the one point I was just sitting and like looking at them fighting, which was fun. I mean, Fighting. It was arguing. It was a really fiery discussion. I think because of Rakia, because they drink the whole bottle of Rakia. Where but, was this? Uh, it was in uh, in residency where I had it. Uh, residency Unlimited. Uh -huh. um, so you you brought the Rakia. Yeah, I brought Rakia, of course. So they kind of open a bit, and uh, it was all artists and cultural workers and curators, and there was a lot of talk about money. So that's why we like an American philanthropy and so on. So that was very tiring. And um, I'm supposed to do um, something like that in Belgrade in October, if everything goes by to the plan. 
and uh, today I was even thinking like uh, I'm I'm thinking to go there for a month just also to get used to it to the language to get used to it to hearing to the phrases to jargon um, and also we are gonna use some strategies I don't know I'm just calling them always like stand-up comedy strategies I don't know if there is certain canon for it but um, I really like this um, idea when you come to there you expect a joke but you also give opportunity for others to like tell you something and it's going to be very much structured within the controversy or uh, of, of, of contemporary art and maybe comparing this and I don't know like um, it's I, I don't want to disrespect comedy as such as a as a as a form for itself but I'm just trying to make some kind of hybrid and I'm very much interested um, to elevate, yeah. elevate art talk, you know, like I, mean, I think I mentioned like sort of the closest anybody from stand up has come to art is uh, probably Andy Paul. Yeah, yeah. Which is as like abstract and as but that that that's performance art. I mean, I you watched know? his documentary also after you mentioned it. My God, I was. <laughs> I mean, it's confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's it, he his whole. His whole, I mean, there's a very sort of erudite, sort of learned way to uh, dissect his, his his approach. His approach was he felt that the relationship between audience and the comedian is stale, and that the joke should be on the audience. That the joke should be, you know. So, so he was always challenging what they expected. So, you know, he'd come and he'd play a play a record, you know, on stage, and they'd be like, "What are you doing?" You know. So it was always like a weird thing. Uh, he would play with their emotions, so it it, it was a sort of uh, you know cinema verite type. Yeah, it was very um, much like it's it's a it's not like acting. It was really you know this behavioral behavior. Oh my yeah, God. It's, it's it's a it's a behavioral Ex science experiment. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's he he did that, and he the thing is, look like I. You, if you do that again in Belgrade and you invite people, I'm, it's, I'll be curious. I think it'll be curious for you as the performer to see the difference between what happens when you pose these questions in New York versus Belgrade and what's the difference. Yeah. How, how freely will people talk? Will they even want to talk? Will they, you know, like, what will they say? So that'll be the thing. But the, the other thing is, I mean, my, I guess, suggestion would be you have to find a position in your discussion where you are also involved. It's yeah. not just my opinion about modern art, my opinion about contemporary mm -hmm. art. You have to somehow involve yourself in it, either uh, with showing a light on you or because otherwise it's just, you know, it's a TED talk where yes. you, you yes. it. So you have to somehow, I don't know, make fun of yourself a little or... or yeah, or, you said that to me, like... Um, the the last least thing that you want to be like cool over there you already mentioned now because if you position yourself as someone more important and your opinion is more important than others and like this is what I'm gonna tell you some enormous truth it's not gonna work um, um, which which is really some people would argue it's really what you're doing <laughs> it's really what all but like you have to give them a pound of yeah. flesh you have to give the you have to give the public a little of yourself as like look how idiot humility in order yeah. for them to, you know it's not really you know we're really trying to make people laugh and, and trying to connect with them but um yeah you have to you can't be cool you the, the 
meaning the point of the, the performance can't be to elevate yourself to coolness. Yeah. If, if coolness is a, or like love or whatever you want to call it, is a byproduct of what you do. Mm-hmm. Not, it's not the goal. No, that's great. No, I'm just really uh, excited about it, and I'm really because now I'm uh, I moved to another place. I'm in a, a studio, my studio now in Braunschweig, and I have. Looks cool. Yeah, it's like a studio and a in a in a space to live. It's huge. You see, you hear maybe the echoing, and I enjoy yeah. it so much. And um, it's but it's very small town. It's very like right wing, very much white. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's good. I enjoy it. And then I'm, I have plenty of time on, on my uh, disposal. So I'm probably going to go for a month there. Uh, you're not in Berlin? I'm sorry? You're not in Berlin? I'm not at the moment. But I still have my studio there and I still have apartment. But now for the next year, I'm here. And mm-hmm. uh, But it's like two hours away. So I'm actually doing my driving license. So I'm there every weekend now but um yeah and i want to hit as many open mics as i can so next week i have also two and i'm looking forward to uh, in german no fuck no <laughs> i don't know no i mean i have some uh jokes that are uh, including german words but uh, they're not uh not in german language because um maybe we mentioned already like even uh there is some comedians that I and would enjoy in German language. There is also Netflix, some of them, but they are definitely like um, with the their immigrant background, you know, like um, yeah. t- Turkish German. So also the way they speak German and the topic they speak about, it's much more relatable. And uh, this is what I could understand and like the simplicity of German language they would use. It's it's good, but otherwise it's much more complex. I've been to some comedy slash cabaret. Oh my God, that's, that was a disaster for me, of course, because I was not 40 years old, middle-aged woman or man from Germany that would uh, get, get the jokes from like 80s or 90s. Yeah, so, so there's, a, there's an element of stand-up, and, and you can see this through, throughout the history of stand-up in whatever country you go to. It was interesting for me to see it in France, sort of reflected. So... Um, they're always outsiders. So in America, there's, you know, it's always, I mean, there's a lot of stand-up comedians that are Jewish, which are not, you know, they're not the, you know, maybe now they're closer to being what is generally considered, you know, uh, the majority or the white majority, right? But, you know, 20 years ago, even, or even most parts of the country today, being Jewish is slightly off. It's weird. It's the other, you know. Stand-up comedians usually come from the other. They're not, if you're a, you know, generally speaking, I don't mean to generalize, but if you are a star quarterback of your local high school team and then in college, good looking, you're not going to be a comedian. There's no, you know, society's great for you. <laughs> you know, there's nothing, there's no itching, nothing's rubbing up against, you know. Now, some people, you know, are just uh, acerbic and, and we, you know, like they don't fit from any population, whether they're white and Christian or Jewish or black or whatever. But generally speaking, in every society, they tend to be the outsiders. So it's a lot of immigrants. In France, it's a lot of Algerian guys. Mm. And now you're telling me in Germany, it's a lot of, you know, uh, Turkish guys. Because generally, if you if you're if you're viewing society, you know, you have to view it slightly askew from a different perspective in order for there to be any anything that you can add. So it, it's always like this. So I don't know. Maybe if you're doing something towards contemporary art. You know, what makes you different in the contemporary art world? 
Are you not? Maybe you're not a rich. You know, I had this. I went to the Serbian, um, the Belgrade Museum, just now. Yeah, yeah. Years. What is the Museum of Contemporary Art, Belgrade, Savremen, right? Yes. And I was like, it's a cool. I mean, I was trying to like write a joke. And like, oh, this is you know, you, I always go to the Contemporary Art Museum in every city I visit, you know, because I just want to see what all the rich kids are doing. It's kind of like, how did the rich kids spend the last couple of years? Because this, most of those artworks, let's be honest, is it's a lot of rich kids, a lot of kids who have a lot of time on their. I mean, so maybe, that's reality. That if you succeed in, I mean, it's you have some anom- anomalies, yeah, anomalies, anomalies. yeah, anomalies, anomalies. Uh, where anomalies. you really need to work triple hard. You know, I have friends of mine that are now really presenting in Documenta Manifesta Biennale, which is like tops on the scale of presenting and they don't come from privileged families or wealthy families but there are some that are like everything was there you know and um, that's that's it's very high also it's about this uh, social capital we were mentioning like who you know how you get who you have even option to meet like I I can be the brilliant artist but if I'm not in the right circles in the right time no one is gonna get it you know I, if exactly. I don't have a social media, fuck it. Like, let's forget it. Exactly. So maybe that's, I mean, I'm just saying, if you want to approach things as an outsider, as a, you know, as like a, a viewpoint from, a, you know, that you can talk to that crowd, maybe that's it. I mean, I remember reading a book. I have it somewhere. It's, it's, I forgot what it's called. It was about Eastern European modern art, like in, between two wars. So how the Western perspective of Eastern European modern art, like all those, Spomeniks in yeah, Serbia, yeah. Croatia, and whatever. And then not only that, but you know, who is Marina Abramovic only in while she never left Belgrade? And the, the question was also, does Western quote unquote modern art have a have a right to view Eastern modern art as separate or as different, or who are we to judge? You know, that it was an interesting book, but I don't know if that could be a topic that you could you can broach. Yeah, is I there mean, still- definitely I want to approach uh, there is like so much of as I see it personally, rooted things in in a in a art world in Serbia itself, from the you know nepotism, from corruption, from uh, unqualified people leading the scene, uh, a lot of uh, Instagrammable art pieces that are selling from Instagram. So there is and there is also like a regional misunderstandings or regional not understanding or uh, lack of support. And I sure. think this is interesting to approach. Uh, I think it's gonna be, um, yeah, it's gonna be in Serbian language. Um, but yeah, I think it's gonna be interesting. I just need to like uh, think about the context. It's not, I don't want to. The problem is now when I was doing this in New York, I had a sort of um, script that was not like when I would do like five minutes. So I already know the joke. So it's just flowing and. From one joke to another, these transitions. But it was I had some notes, and if I say something and I'm already like heating up, and then of course I give a opportunity to others, so they stop me, and then they completely open a new topic. So for me, what they opened, I need from that to figure out how to come to the second note. I figure so it was almost improvising at the same time. Mm-hmm how to go back on the track that I wanted to come to the finishing line. Yeah, there's, there's an element of performing, especially in stand-up, where it's it's like jazz. You gotta, you know, there's an element, most of it is scripted, but then there's, 
and when you jump out of that, and how do you go back into it? And it, there's those almost in a lot of times the audience, li- you know, likes those parts the most. They almost feel it, even though they think everything is spontaneous. Mm. They can almost feel when it's not. Yeah, and, and it's an interesting. Eventually, you'll get to the point where you're like, you know, you can sort of. There's an element of where you're playing with them. You you know, you know you're setting them up. Yeah. You know they all think this, but you're actually going to make the joke, and you know mm. that's the misdirect. So there's an element where you look at them and you go, you you have no idea what's coming. <laughs> that was great. That's why I was telling you, like I went, oh my god, so many times to the cellar. Uh, the bouncer already knew me, so it's uh and like to it's see great, even, to, to see even the same performances, and yeah. um to see how comedians. From night to night, they, I think they even got bored of their own material, so they just even playing. They're so comfortable. They can play with the same uh, beat for so much. And I was enjoying yeah. to see how it's every night comes alive in a different way. Because we were mentioning, if they do the same beat in the same takt, with the same breath, for them it's boring. Public will have the same laugh, but they want to have fun for themselves as well. I remember somebody saying, I don't know, I forgot who it was, which maybe maybe it was Norman or Morello. One of them. They're saying, you know, you're going through the joke, and in your head, you know, you're saying it exactly the way it should, should be said perfectly. But in your head, you're like, oh, God, who am I meeting for dinner later? Oh, yeah. You're almost doing, you know, what are, what are we having for dinner in your head? It's just at a certain point, it becomes mechanical. And that's why a lot of comedians, they'll shelve jokes. They'll, a lot of times, They'll record an album or a special just to shelve joke. Okay, now I don't have to do that anymore. That joke's out there. It, you know, the internet's repeating it, so I can focus on other things. I just remembered, I'm sorry, I uh, I just remembered another stand-up comedian you should watch in um, in uh, in Serbia, uh, Radomir or Rasha Nestorovic. He's really good. Radomir, really what's good. the last name? Nestorovic. Nestorovic. Yeah, or Rasha. He's really good. Um, amongst the others, Lela and you know others. They're, they're all. Um, I was, you know, I just remembered also a joke. I actually heard it this week. I think you'd like it, given your, you know, where you stand politically. But the joke was, uh, and I was trying to translate it in Serbian, and it's it just sounds better in English. But you could translate it in Serbian. Something a bit of it is lost. So the joke is. Um, you know, it's an old joke from like the Union days of, of New York City, so early 1900s. So there's a protest on Union Square, you know, communists on one side and social democrats on the other, right? And there's, they're protesting, and at one point the, the, the police are just like, screw it, and they start beating up and arresting everybody, right? And they're like, they, and one of the, they're putting them all in paddy wagons and, you know, driving them to the state. And they're, as they're hitting one social democrat and putting him in the, you know, in the car, He's yelling, you don't understand. He says, I'm an anti-communist. And the cop's like, I don't care what kind of communist you are. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't understand. You're trying to translate it in Serbian. Like there's something, you know, if you say kaka, there's a meaning point where you could almost lose maybe 10% of the meaning. In. It still works, but it's just, it hits better in English when you say it. Yeah, yeah, so it's better. If you try to try to translate that in Serbian, you could. There's obviously a kakovsi. You know, it, it doesn't really hit. No, no, I like the words Santa Cruz skateboard. I like that. I, I like that brand, by the way. Yeah. 
doesn't doesn't do well um yeah but i don't know like for if you it's, it's it was really nice to talk about it and i like maybe to finish with this uh joke because in the first half of the podcast i listen it now we didn't repeat much which is great but we spoke okay. much more about like the the politics of language and um so i think this joke is great to finish and just tell me what's your plan for now like um my plan for now is uh i'm gonna film or like record both maybe video and audio another album or special sometime later in this year um just getting ready for that i have some shows lined up in florida i just came back from vermont just get on as many shows to get that uh to get the special ready and uh, that's it and then uh, maybe in october i'll be in serbia performing uh to record the thing i just i just performed so great so if you're in october i'm also there in october oh, so cool. can... wait wait you're doing the salon thing what Salon, Oktoberski Salon. Yeah, Oktoberski Salon. Yeah, we'll maybe see each other. Cool. So you can see also the exhibition you're going to see. I will, I will come. I will come to that. Yes. That's I'm great. So thank you, Sasha, for this. Um, very much. And I hope you enjoyed. And I will put some of your links and, of the website and shows and uh, Instagram account so uh, people can follow you and see your comedy i really enjoyed all of your gun jokes <laughs> they're really to the point now and uh, unfortunately they're still relevant yeah unfortunately I mean, like, exactly but uh yeah it's a it's a very good point um okay so thank you very much and uh, much. have a nice evening you too bye-bye